I'm here to steal your secret formula, Bob. What? What are you talking about? Don't play games with me, Bob. I went to college. <laughs> Linda, there's a tiny green thing threatening me. Tiny what? Oh, my God. Our student goes me way too high. High. We're skipping north. We're barely getting by. So while we wait for our next paycheck, we're surfing counts on the captain's death. Yo, ho, ho. We're millennial pirates. Yeah, they see our way of Greetings, dear listeners, and a very warm welcome to the newest episode of Fans About Films. I am the host, Lasse Vogt, as always. It has been a while since English content, but I am back right now, uh, done with my education. Now I am a professional copywriter. So, yeah, full-time job, all new, all set, and, um, yeah, pretty eager to get to new projects. But you don't want to hear about that. You want to hear what I want to talk about with my guest. And I have a very, very special guest. A guest I've been following on Twitter for a little while, as usual with uh, this show. Um, I love his stuff. I think he's a hilarious guy. And I'm very, very happy that I have a chance to talk to him. Uh, let me welcome the creator of Venom the Musical, Kevin Tammer. <laughs> Hi. I'm very, very happy to have you here. So, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ain't, ain't that the question? I do a lot of things. I, uh, I, I think of myself as pretty much just a creator, a goofball, a animator. You know, I do all sorts of things. <laughs> But... Um, Technically, I, I, I'm an animator in the animation industry. I've worked on some feature films, some video games, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Anything people know about? Uh, yeah, so I, I used to work at uh, Blue Sky Studios, so I worked on a few movies like uh, Ice Age 5, Spies in Disguise, Ferdinand the Bull, a few of those. I've worked on a few uh, video games. Uh, there's one called Concrete Genie. Um, Ooh. Yeah, and now I uh, I'm currently working at a company called uh, uh, Squanch Games. It's created by the the, the co-creator of Rick and Morty, Justin Roiland. So that's been pretty cool. <laughs> that's not, oh, my my brother is such a huge fan of Rick and Morty. Like he would be very very interested when, <laughs> when I'm talking to a person who's working on stuff like that. That's great. And my invitation has gone a while back now. Like I, I asked you pretty early on after I discovered your stuff. You would be a really cool guest for my podcast. And yeah, I mean, of course, uh, for both of us, it, it wasn't all that easy to find the time and also the <laughs> fitting occasion. Like uh, the original idea was we were just supposed to shoot the shit, basically just talking about anything what comes to our mind. But now I think this episode is going to be a little bit more focused because uh, there uh, was an animated film. There is an animated film that just hit streaming on Netflix. It's called The Mitchells vs. The Machines. And I thought this episode could be, uh, including other things, kind of like a review, a chat between us both talking about that 
movie, that wonderful little movie. I guess you saw it also on release day. Yes, I, I, I saw it midnight right when it came out. I, I couldn't wait a second Ooh. longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you must have been tired. <laughs> it was worth it. It was, it was definitely worth it. <laughs> it. It was indeed. It was, it was worth a wait. Yes. Like I, I, did, I didn't really I didn't really follow the the, uh, the press for it uh, at all. Mm. Uh, at, at a certain point, I was like, okay, there's this new Sony animated movie coming out, and it's gonna have this kind of plot, I guess, and it has some of the guys who work on Gravity Falls behind it, and then um, it uh, then of course uh, COVID mm. happened and all of that, and yes. now it uh, yeah, and now it hit uh, Netflix on streaming, which is cool, but they only have a streaming right so I, I guess we are about to expect a, a physical release as well from oh, okay. sony animation so that that's cool that's cool i mean i've i've uh, would have been uh, happy just with streaming only but uh yeah having this on your shelf uh, as some kind of special release would be really cool i mean this yes. movie deserves it this movie is a cute little delight Oh, definitely. I, I definitely agree. De definitely a good time. Yeah, I mean, uh, usually, and uh, I have to get this out of my system, because with all of these things, be it uh, Into the Spider-Verse or um, this one, uh, Twitter tends to talk about these just as the lo newest Lauded Miller films. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which this technically isn't. I mean, they, they, uh, they produced it. I guess they were creatively involved in some way, but... Um, they didn't write or direct it. Uh, right, the, right. Writer, <laughs> the writers and directors of this um, are uh, Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe. And you might not have heard of these names before, but uh, as I said, dear listeners, they were involved in Gravity Falls as uh, writers and also like voice actors sometimes. Michael Rianda actually voices the little brother in this one too. So. Right. Um, and those guys, I mean, I, Gravity Falls, I love Gravity Falls. And this certainly had the vibe of some of those episodes and they actually co-wrote some of my favorite episodes on that show i i looked it up and um it's but but it's not like oh this is just a rip off anything it just has this similar feeling that's hard to pin down uh, it is a very uh, modern animated film in a sense that you can clearly tell it's made by people who actually get today's like people <laughs> Yeah. audiences mindsets <laughs> all of that definitely you, you can definitely feel that with the, the the style of comedy that it's not it's not what some people claim to be boomer humor you know it has a very they, they understand where you know millennials and people like that are coming from i'd say yeah absolutely and it never um like looks down upon anybody in this like like every character is relatable and you can understand the motivation uh, even though i mean the, the villain's motivation kind of comes like it's it's pretty uh comes pretty quickly but i guess it was pre-planned uh for for a longer time um i, I guess she did uh, i guess the villain just didn't take over suddenly <laughs> but um but at least i mean it's it is a it is a, a bonkers motivation but in in the context of a movie it at least makes sense and um everywhere like like nobody is uh, in in that in that wrong case unlikable because the early uh, promotional picture shows the father like disgruntled sitting at the kitchen table and the family just happy on their uh, social network <laughs> devices yes and um 
and a lot of people were um, worried about this being one-sided in, in uh, several ways. This, this could have gone really, really wrong in the wrong hands. But like I said, it understands every side and really doesn't really doesn't really pick a side. It just uh, wants both sides to get along, basically. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's every, everyone is sort of the, the cool thing about it is how everyone is trying, you know, every, everyone in the, I was watching another review of it and they made some good points about how, you know, it, it's never like the daughter is trying to rebel or anything. It's not like no character has like sort of this mean spirited attitude. Every character is like just sort of trying their best to get along, like, especially like in the family. So it's never that sort of like melodrama, you know, it, it feels the interactions feel real to me because it's it's like it's not super black and white. It's like even though, you know, the daughter doesn't really want to be on the road trip, she's still trying to have a good time. And I think that that's something that's admirable that they put something more realistic in, in there like that. Yeah, yeah, they actually take the time uh, showing that kind of stuff and development and all of that. And what I also saw online is that everybody related to these characters in some way or another, uh, especially like especially um, with the daughter, with the teenage daughter, because one of the big plot points is uh, her getting into film school and yes. uh, wanting to go there as soon as possible, and you know, leaving leaving her family behind. Who I mean, she loves her family, but there's you know, there's something she she wants to be free, hang out with people who understand her and all of that. And that is actually something because I went to film school and uh, I was kind of like this, uh, this this weird creative kid who didn't really have an outlet in his personal life for that. And I, uh, other than like uh, watching movies, like with a family and friends and all of that, but I didn't really have anybody who I looked eye to eye in terms of like trivia and, and weird fan nerdy stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I related to her in that sense. I also heavily related to her in that sense because I, you know, I went to art school and I, before I went there, I really felt like people didn't get me. You know, I, I mean, I had a few friends in high school, but I, I don't know. I felt like no one really got me on the level that on that artistic level, you know, that, that liked the same movies as I did that like that thought the same way that I did. And when I got to art school, it felt like I finally exactly how she put it. Like I found my people and that really, that just made her so relatable. Like I even like the way that she would video chat with people before even getting to the college. That's something that I did as well. So it's just, such a highly specific relatability in there that I was really impressed with. Yeah, absolutely. The, the scene that really stuck out to me in a truly scary way, actually, is the scene when she it goes into the kitchen and then before like uh, dinner or, or something, she she wants to show her family like the newest uh, video project she made, and there's the certain reaction of her dad going like kind of like, mm-hmm. and and then she she kind of like uh, excitingly pressing play, and I'm I'm like I've been through this scenario several times. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, for sure. It's like it's like you know this, this this movie this character was written for for people like us, which is really kind of great, but also kind of horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it gets very real. It gets. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely amazing how quickly 
you get attached to this family, like to everybody in here. And that's also because they um, they fit into certain roles which you have grown to like in other media before. Like, I mean, they... I mean, it, they they remind you in in a certain way because it's it's uh, some of the same writers of like a Gravity Falls characters in terms of like everybody is just a little a little off kilter a little weird, uh, in in their in their own way. But also, um, I got some Bob's Burgers vibes from this family. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. In the way in the way we interacted with each Actually, I mean, the mother is even named Linda, and. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she some sometimes her design kind of reminded me uh, of 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 Linda Beltra in a way, and also like sometimes like Maya Rudolph is absolutely amazing in this, oh, but totally. sometimes sometimes her voice kind of slips into Linda Beltra too, especially the, the one <laughs> the, the one part where she um, where she sits in the chair and uh, she she has to get pulled out, and she's kind of like this 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 was quickly like no. <laughs> oh my god, that was I love that moment. There there's so many great little moments like that in there that are just so so hilarious and so just a very a very specific type of humor that i really enjoy yeah so quick too like this uh, has insane uh rewatchability because there are just so many gags you possibly could pick out in the in the background there's one part that that stuck out to me i think i, I watched the scene tries in a row the, the mall fight scene because it's yes. a very very good scene and there's very one good. part where in, in the background you you see the dad uh, shoot a toaster and out of the toaster jumps a toast with like the, the x eyes and, and a frowny face <laughs> oh wow i didn't notice that i'll, I'll have to rewatch that that's yeah, yeah it's 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 amazing like it's like in the middle it's it's right after the chair scene i think like uh, right before the Roombas. Uh, come down the stairs um <laughs> that uh, like you could see it in the background it's very very quick but but i thought this is a really really great detail and i think um most people i hope most people didn't watch the trailers before this because the trailer gives away some really really fun revelations uh for yeah. the big one being and i mean most people who listen to this probably have seen the movie i'm, I'm specifically talking about the furby scene which is a definite <laughs> highlight <laughs> yes Oh my god! Such a good scene. Such a... <laughs> it, I, I I was thinking I was thinking of Gremlins two while watching that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just such a great moment, and I was reading up on it a bit, and it, it almost didn't happen because they were waiting to hear back to see if they you know had the rights to use the Furbies. And oh yeah, and, and and at some point I think they were gonna replace it with like Tickle Me Elmo or something, and. And and you know the crew reacted to that negatively. It was like, "Where's the where's the Furby?" And luck, like, luckily they were able to get the Furby in there. Um, I mean, if yeah. uh, uh, Tickle Me Elmo would have been funny, like uh, I I guess Barney the dinosaur would have also been funny. But he has <laughs> been beaten. He he has gotten his beating in the past. I mean, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm yes. think I'm thinking of that one. I'm thinking of that one YouTube video where we just shoot the plushie in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, that he's been—he's had a hard time in a lot of media, even like Animaniacs, dinosaurs, just all these '90s cartoons, just really poking fun at him. But yeah, oh, so I'm I'm really much. glad that um, they went with Furby because it's such a—it's <laughs> just such a thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy that worked out and like that—that's product placement done right. And also, it's 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 really really funny how they how they comment on. Like like this 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 movie gets seen by uh, younger kids, 
who probably haven't lived through the Furby craze, and because when when it's like uh, when the sign is revealed, and when the little brother's like, "What's a Furby?" <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was smart for them to put that in there too. <laughs> yeah, and and you totally get it, like like you get what it's supposed to be, and it it goes so dark, so hilariously dark with the stuff they say, and it's it's so it's it's creepy in the in the twisted way I, I love and, and, and stuff like Gravity Falls like when they do it on that show it's it's so malicious <laughs> yes <laughs> and as, as a lot of people pointed out it's very easy to tell which jokes Alex Hirsch helped out with <laughs> yeah yeah I mean he even has a little voice cameo in this one yeah, um, yeah. he voices like one of her um uh, film school friends like like the, the guy of, uh, of the kids if she talks to him in the video chat i think he has like three lines maybe and you don't even recognize him but i saw in the credits oh he's that guy okay <laughs> <laughs> right, right yeah and i mean it's like certainly like uh lord miller producing i guess helped on the way that they they often had their hands in something that's also like a little a little weird and special and what i read i uh realized with the stuff they were involved in is that they uh, have stories which are pretty like familiar like which which are not that new in at the core but they uh, but the stories always have a very interesting or at least unique spin on them like i mean when i first watched cloudy with a chance of meatballs i was actually really bothered by the extremely generic core plot like father son who don't get along blah blah and the evil mayor and all of that and i only realized later how they actually are kind of lampooning those things at the same time and really over exaggerate that and i i thought that was actually pretty smart and also like with a lego movie basically like being a kid's version of a matrix with a chosen one story and in this one, uh, like, yeah, family who uh, needs to get along and they save the world, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, they, they, um, the stuff they're involved in, it, it finds different spins to make those stories interesting and kind of unique in their own way again. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. I, I, I really think it, it all comes down to execution, right? Because you, you could take an idea that, that isn't too good or kind of boring and then just like put a really awesome twist on it or just have you know really likable relatable characters and really funny jokes and it shot really well and then you have a good movie so in the end it's just really about how you take that story concept and how you run with it yeah absolutely i mean like how to train your dragon at its core also is a pretty familiar story but they they, they found a way to tell that story uh very very interestingly like in a way that almost like we pretend the story hasn't been told before and it's right. still interesting and nice and engaging and you like it. And this one, I mean, this one has certainly a lot of creativity in it, which, which kind of, um, uh, makes, uh, puts, puts it way ahead certain other movies with uh, similar things. I mean, you can certainly, you could pick out certain things. This has some stuff from iRobot in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. this has, uh, stuff from, I mean, certainly off of a matrix to like man versus machine, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they, they find new interesting ways. And uh, one of the biggest surprises too, because I didn't look up beforehand um, who the voice actors were. I basically didn't know anything. So for the longest time, I thought the, the father was Nick Offerman. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. Interesting. That would have actually worked. I mean, he did a really good job, but 
that that would have been a good casting choice too, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. D- D- Danny McBride was great, but I, I I thought it was Nick Offerman for the longest time <laughs> because it was it, it it's it's also a role which which would have fit his his persona really well. And Maya Rudolph, I didn't know, but I I picked her out oh, fairly great. quickly. <laughs> oh, she she's she's absolutely amazing in this, yeah. And um, I mean Abby Jacobson, I wasn't familiar with before, but she oh, she's, she's great. She's amazing. I, I everything that she's in, she just does. A, a super awesome job she she's in a show called broad city which is just so funny and uh she's in uh that that cartoon uh, disenchantment and um oh yeah right that's where yeah so so i know something uh she's in <laughs> yeah she just <laughs> right, has like she... that really great voice where it's just i don't know it's hard to describe it but it's just it like automatically makes her character always so relatable it has this sort of like underdog feel to it that just i don't know it just really works especially for the characters that she's played oh yeah yeah great great voices for animation like like most people i i i wasn't able to figure out here like um like eric andre i i didn't realize he oh, was yeah i didn't know. i thought i i thought it was jordan peele or, or something going in and then yeah and then i read it, it was eric andre and i was like oh and He's he's actually he has has a really good range. Uh, I know a lot of people think he can only do these like you know super crazy roles, but he's in this other show called. Uh, well, he's also in Disenchantment, but he was also in this other show called uh, Man Seeking Woman. I don't know if you've seen that show. It's a live action one. Um, it also has the guy that played Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon in it. Ah, J. J. Baruchel too. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, Eric Andre, he plays a much calmer role in that show, which was very surprising to me because that was like the first time I saw him like that. I'm like, wow, he, he has so much range. He can, he can... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people people can surprise you. Like, I mean, uh, uh, Seth Rogen too. I mean, he's he's not in this, but like uh, Seth Rogen certainly in stuff like um, Knocked Up. And also in the interview, he plays he, he plays the character a little bit differently. In the interview, he's like pretty much a straight man for the most part. Like it's it's uh, James Franco who's the crazy one in that. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, but yeah, everything was super well cast in this in this movie. I feel like all the voices fit pretty well. I I do think um, the you know the director he he voiced you know the little brother like you said to me that was a little weird for me at times especially when i saw the trailer because i'm not i'm not a super huge fan of that trend of of adults of adult men voicing children but i think for the most part he did a really good job i think he was pretty believable for, mo- for he, the most part he had a he had a great delivery here was really funny and as a uh, comparison I, I watched the german dub and there they have actually a kid like voicing the brother uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know i i i, I feel like personally i would have gone with a kid voicing that role but i still i still think he did a really good job and i totally understand why he wanted to voice it because you know it's based on his family so it's like it's not a self-insert just for the hell of it it's definitely a very intentional reasonable self-insert so i i think it works yeah absolutely he was really really funny the the one uh, thing that surprised me too because i listened to the villain and for the longest like until the very end i thought it was uh, emma thompson (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds exactly like her. <laughs> it it does. It does. But she, but yeah, she did a l- really good job. Who was it? Olivia something? Oh yeah, Olivia Coleman. Like yes, uh, yes, yes. 
Oscar winner from like uh, one or two years ago. Um, yeah, she was yeah, she, yeah she, she she was absolutely great. But yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was Emma Thompson. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> Olivia Coleman. I, lo- I love your stuff. <laughs> no, it was, uh, this, this must have been, maybe she recorded this like around the same time or right after she won the Oscar. I, I have no idea. Like maybe, but uh, because the, uh, whatever reason, what the, because she wasn't, even though she's like, she has done so many things. She wasn't really that well known before for to like Americans. She has done so many stuff. I mean, she wasn't the Cornetto trilogy, uh, on on some other uh, like British TV stuff. Like I've I've seen her in, in countless British comedy things, but um, uh, the um, the favorite was like her big like breakout thing in terms of this is something people have seen. I mean, she she won this huge award for it, and I guess um. That might have been that might have been the reason she was cast in this. I don't know, but uh, I mean, it's it's usually like with uh, also like with Gravity Falls, they find unique people to voice certain parts in that. I mean, also like another connection, Justin Roiland also had a cameo in in that show in in two episodes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's an interesting casting choice, and she does it really, really well. But it, it's really, really funny that they have like this a tech villain voiced by the only British person in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it worked really well. Yeah, she, yeah, she uh, sticks out in a good way. But it's like, okay, this is this is unique and cool. And always, like, always when they um, when they introduce like those super robots, I was uh, kind of worried for a little bit. Where so, okay, they're gonna lack personality. But then later, even they kind of have an arc when they are just scared all of a sudden. <laughs> it's it's really really good. Like sometimes, like so many there there are certain parts where you kind of worry. We're like, oh no, where, where are they gonna take this? Like, for example, when they, uh, when those two robots malfunction, but then they find a funny way to integrate them and, and make them uh, part of a plot in a, in a really really good way. And, and I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's great, and that's also really funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love what they did with the with the two robots, the two defective robots that hang out with them, and they, they were also cast very well, and yeah, just <laughs> just really really good comedy with them so so much so much fun stuff also like um uh, something i wanted to point out which uh, stuck out to me is that this is a, a sister brother relationship in an animated family movie where they just get along yes. like the yes. the the scene that uh, i immediately uh, was struck by is when she just you know she she's basically playing drums on on her brother's head and he's <laughs> yeah. just you know he, he he's just nodding along and and humoring her and all of that and i was like no, this this is wonderful this is just wonderful they get along and he's gonna miss her and she loves him and it's because normally you just have uh sibling characters in movies like these and they're just bickering and, and they they never do that in this and it's exactly. it's wonderful like it, it how she's them... comforting him yeah, it automatically makes them so much more likable. You know, I, I I think it's super important to to you know make characters likable and 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 relatable. And I think yeah, just doing stuff like that just really, it was really refreshing to see something like that done. And it, it honestly reminded me a lot of my relationship with my brother. And I think yeah, it's just good to see positive relationships between siblings. They don't they don't have to. Fight. I... Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's the that's the great thing about this. In terms of like, I mean, you are the animation buff, so probably you can uh, s- 
talk a little bit better than me about how the animation in this is really something special. Oh man, it's it's incredible. It's it's really really well done, and the the incorporation of you know the two D elements with the three D elements that's really great. Um, just all the little details too with. Not just the animation, but just like the the texturing, the shading, how they get those those you know those outlines on them to make them look like you know sort of like two D characters, um, and yeah, a lot of a really great mix of of nice subtle subtleties and body mechanics, but also cartoony exaggeration, doing things with like breaking the rigs, pushing the rigs, um, yeah. There also. Something that I really like in this movie um, is when, whenever they portray these these subtle awkward moments, they they put a lot of very specific things in there, like having the characters playing with uh, their 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 clothing or or, or biting yeah. on their clothing, um, touching pieces of their clothing, just little things like that that make the characters feel so much more real because. You know that's what people do when that when they're uncomfortable they, they they start fiddling around or fidgeting with things and I think it it just really adds so much you know it's not something that's always difficult technically but just putting those things in there adds so much more to the character. Yeah, yeah, putting in that extra effort because it's it's not like you have an actor in front of a camera who can just make that choice on the spot. It's like people have to animate this for like hours or days, and and that they go the extra mile. Uh, through all that trouble it, it's really something cool I, the first time I noticed something like this in an animated movie was in Ratatouille where um, the, 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 the the original like like main boss basically like the, the Ian Holm character and um, when he opens the letter from the from, from Linguini's mother yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he, he has that um, and, and the way how he like kind of flings his wrist and how he looks annoyed and makes that uh, movement with his mouth and his eyes and that stuck out to me in terms of like this this just feels so so real like and so so spontaneous and it's like something but but somebody had to give like this instruction or somebody had to think about this and then animate it piece by piece and uh, i i love it when animated movies are able to do this Yes, absolutely. That that is like the bread and butter right there. I mean, animators when we see that stuff, we're just like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it really sticks out here. Like in terms of, I I really noticed the the, the clothing physics too. Um, how they did because they 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 most of uh, the the uh, characters in this like wear some kind of like baggy clothing too in terms of, like either jackets or or sweaters or something, and so it so it bends, it folds. Uh, it, it creates interesting effects and also like uh, when she this is one scene where um, uh, Katie like dances in her room and when she steps on her chair and, and the chair uh, moves a little bit and then she kind of falls down and then immediately just gets up again and like all, all of those uh, details it, it's really cool this is also something that was um, present in Into the Spider-Verse in terms of like just like weird uh, bo spontaneous body movement when people do something <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I commented on Twitter, like I did my very, very quick review on Twitter, and I was like something, when when everybody involved in the project is just 100% invested in something, you, you get you get this, like where you can tell that everybody who worked on this was just, yes. we're, we're going to make this great. Absolutely. You can tell everyone was having a good time working on that. It just, it shows, shines through and, into the work and, 
it, it just really makes a lot of a difference. It it fits right in with some of those very interesting, weird animated comedies we have uh, gotten lately. I was also a big fan of Storks, for example. The yes, Warner Brothers. I loved Storks. I think it's so underrated. It's it, it's <laughs> it's one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It's it's. I was like, what happened with this movie? It just totally went under everybody's radar, I guess. And and it's uh, so like I, I watched this on uh, on a plane for the first time, which was a big mistake, <laughs> because I I laughed so hard at several <laughs> points, and it was like really I I really had to try to keep it down because it's that, that totally took me by surprise, especially like that pitch and toady character who is just cracking me up constantly it's just <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah that, there's something about films like that where the comedy is just so specific that and it, that, that makes it work so much more where it's not just you know generic gags or, or jokes it's just something that feels so specific to the point where it feels like the writers are putting in like inside jokes that they that they have you know what i mean where it just feels yeah like, yeah yeah, totally. It also like it feels like with these characters in in uh, Mitchell's was the machines that you can tell that these characters have like little inside jokes or things between them, yes. uh, which which they just laugh and, and goof on about, and, and that makes them just feel uh, that more real. And uh, that, that, that's something I I, I totally enjoyed. It just uh, just feels so great, especially also how they introduce certain things and then they become plot points in a very natural way like the first time the father introduces that certain uh, maneuver with his car how the, the mother is uh, envious of the neighbor family and then they uh, and also like the, the way they escape a dangerous situation and then they find just their own way to deal with a dangerous situation way way later in the finale and that's yeah it, it's something that's integrated so well and naturally that it never feels like a forced setup for something right yeah for sure and it it is tricky because you know you know i i think after watching so many movies you get to the point where you can tell when when something is introduced that oh that's going to come up later oh that's definitely going to come up later and i mean i felt that a little bit with this film but i i think it's it's it gets to the point where just no matter what, no matter how they do it, you're you get to the point where you're going to recognize it. Because um, I, oh, yeah. I think I, it's I, just, I, it just happens after you see so many animated films, especially with a park. I did I didn't expect uh, them to integrate him in the finale the the way they did later on. How they basically uh, took the took a duck the puck and uh, integrated oh. him in the finale the way they did, which was really really clever. Yeah, I I had a slight feeling that that was gonna come up later. It felt like when it was introduced, I'm like, okay, that they're not introducing that for no reason. That's totally something that's gonna come up later. But that might just be because I've just, you know, watched a lot of animated movies and, and can sort of recognize that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with a certain, I'm I'm terrible at picking certain stuff up. Like even though I've I've watched so many things like like sometimes something just goes right over my head but uh in, in this like uh, especially when i'm very very invested in a story and then i just basically let it let it come towards me and uh, not not really think about the mechanics behind the plot <laughs> right no, but that's great because that that's when you're truly enjoying the movie when you're, when you're not analyzing it as you're watching it and i think that's that's the true way to experience something right and it's like as 
you know, movie fans or animation fans, it does get tricky to do that. But when a movie actually succeeds in that, and I think this one definitely succeeded with that, or at least in a lot of ways it succeeded with that, then that's, you know, when it truly accomplishes something. I think a, a teacher of mine it said that a while ago, where it's like, when you're you're not analyzing the movie and you're just watching it, that's when it truly, that's when it's successful. Yeah, when we forget everything around you and are just engrossed in the story and the characters, and that, that happens rarely anymore, but it, but it does happen. Like the last time this happened with an animated movie was Wolf Walkers, where it was just completely... Oh, I still need to see that one. I, everyone they, says it's so good. Yeah, they're actually planning um, a, a physical release uh, for that too. Oh, um, great sometimes in the future, like along with the other two uh, big animated movies from uh, Cartoon Saloon. But um, right, right. Un until then, like if, if you're interested in uh, Apple Plus TV has like a seven day free trial. So if you have a credit card, you could you could use that <laughs> to watch it, watch it three times because uh, you're going to cry a lot. <laughs> oh, man. OK, yeah, I, de I definitely need to watch that one. Everyone tells me I need to. It's absolutely, it was my favorite movie of 2020, which kind of sucked because I saw it, uh, I saw it in a, like, uh, because I'm part of a, a German uh, podcast uh, network where we mm -hmm. get to see movies in advance, either through like pre-screener or we get like a streaming link for movies. Oh, nice. And I uh, got the streaming link for that one. So I, I was able to watch it a few days before it hit Apple TV Plus. And I watched it a few days before I watched Soul also with uh, mm. a pre-streaming link and uh, and sold is a good movie but it was kind of spoiled by wolf walkers and so i was <laughs> I, I i was kind of uh, nitpicky about certain aspects of soul <laughs> <laughs> right i get you i get you i was like there's no way any film is gonna top wolf walkers for me <laughs> yeah. right now and and then yeah it, it was kind of like i, I wish it had been the other way around <laughs> Right. Well, that's the thing when watching a movie, right? There's so many factors that affect your experience with it. So sometimes it's not even a matter of how good the movie is, but what kind of mood you're in, what, what's happened to you, what, what time it is, what environment you're in, what movie you've just seen. Like there's so many things that that can affect how you enjoy a film. And, and so yeah. I mean, it's, it's like enjoying a film it feels like such a beautiful thing nowadays, right? Because there's just so much going on right now, you know, with the pandemic and everything and just finding things that bring you joy. It's such an important thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, um, one of the experiences I can tell about, like when I watched frozen for the first time, mm. um, back when it came out, which is, yeah, many years ago now, in fact. Yes. Um, and I, I watched it in the, uh, in like, a, pretty much like a, a village theater and all around me, <laughs> screaming kids. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and, and, and oh, that, that might have tainted, that might have tainted my experience a little bit because I walked out of that movie and, pun intended, it kind of left me cold. <laughs> And then I watched it um, again on, on DVD with just my mother and little brother at home. And I was sitting there like, oh, my God, this movie is freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, screaming children can definitely affect your experience. Absolutely. Yeah, it it absolutely happens. And uh, in, in that case, it, it was unfortunate uh, because but, and, and sometimes like... Uh, an audience can can elevate an, an experience like uh, oh, what yes. what is uh, 
like I mean I I never I will never forget when I saw the first Avengers in the theater that was <laughs> electrifying. Yes. Oh, seeing any Marvel movie with in the theater. Oh my God! Seeing seeing Endgame. Holy crap! The the it, the audience yeah. reaction is like part of the movie. It's like an extension of the movie. And they and they anticipated it. Like they created those moments with the yes. right amount of pauses oh, too. You like you can and, tell when when uh when Captain America uh, picks up Thor's hammer and they and he looks. You know, at the camera, there's like that pause. They're like, they they knew what the hell they were doing. They knew exactly Absolutely. what they were doing, and which is funny because I I saw it in the ideal, um, uh, like uh, I had the ideal experience with Endgame because I watched it first a day before it came out in the in the press screening, and oh, around nice. me around me just other film critics from the town, and they were pretty you know collected and calm. And so I, I was actually, I was holding back because there were several points where I almost yelled out like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I, but I was, I was trying to be calm too. And then I saw it on the very next day, opening night, uh, with a crowd again, because my, uh, two of my brothers, uh, wanted to go see it. And then I was sitting when I was like, I, I know what's coming now and I can, I can anticipate it. And all of these people around me, they have no idea what we're in for in terms of like, <laughs> big like fan service moments basically and it, it was great to know beforehand what was coming and an opening night in germany it was like ah oh, it was wonderful oh my god that sounds amazing yeah i mean i'll, I'll sometimes re rewatch that they have like people recorded reactions to, yeah. to certain things and it's just magic I, I, there's something about just like a whole group of people reacting to something that in unison it's just something it just brings out an aspect of humanity that you're like, oh yeah, we, we can be good. We can be beautiful. We, we can agree on something. It's just, it's something great. <laughs> Has there ever been like a movie theater experience where you were the only people who laughed at a certain joke because it was so specific? <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I, I used to see a lot of movies with my family and I think there are definitely certain movies where it felt like we were the only ones laughing. <laughs> um, I think, uh, actually, when, I don't know if you've ever seen the musical Avenue Q or, or have heard of it. Oh, yeah, I've, I, I've, I've heard puppets. like I, I've heard the song of it. My brother showed me certain clips like he's big into musicals. He, yeah, he, yeah. he showed me stuff. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great musical. Pretty old now. But I, I saw that live with my family and um, we I feel like we were like <laughs> at some points we were the only ones laughing. I think everyone else <laughs> is just so uncomfortable <laughs> with puppets doing really weird things. But us. Um, oh. But yeah, so I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> that also reminds me of back when I went to art college, we would do this thing where when a new animated film came out, we would all just go together, like all our whole class would just go together and watch it. And it was such a great, beautiful thing because we're all reacting to some the film in such a specific way. I remember we were all watching cloudy with the chance of meatballs too and there is this scene where the uh, what's the, the villain had like such very cool specific animation where he just had like these noodle arms that would bend in a certain way and i just remember all of us were just going 
ooh, ah, like, just <laughs> reacting specifically to the animation, knowing that it was only our group, only us, and no one else yeah, in yeah. that theater was reacting that way. It was just a really magical moment that it really makes me miss art college, honestly, because just, just being around a group of people that thinks exactly the way that you do. And that kind of ties back to, you know, Mitchell's versus the machines of why that movie was so relatable to me because just like finding your people, finding a group of people that think the way that you do after going so long not really being around people like that. It's just such a magical thing. Yeah, it totally is. It's so relatable in that way. And I can't, we both can't emphasize that enough. Like, and it, I guess that's why it's it's trending so much too. Because I mean, also like uh, on, on Twitter, we are connected. Haha, because that's the original <laughs> title of the movie. And oh, we are connected oh. with, uh, we're connected with people who, you know, are kind of like us too. Like, like we follow people whose stuff we like. We follow people who kind of are fans of the same things we are. And so we see uh, people on Twitter, like their reaction first and foremost. And uh, it's it's no wonder that they uh, really celebrate this movie because yeah, it 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 makes you feel like you they get you basically. They get you. They get uh, the people um, who you're following and uh, the stuff you like. And uh, in that way, I mean, it's it's very, it's it's kind of specific in a certain way. But I think it also it it might help to make it kind of timeless because that situation is so universal that it 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 won't go away. Like, uh, and I don't know how the the world and technology and all of that will develop, but people will stay um, the same in in a certain way, at least in certain aspects of uh, of life and situations. And uh, so, so I guess that's that's what's gonna make this movie um, stand the test of time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, apart from the, the the YouTube streaming monkey reference, which is something so specific, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even see that beforehand. And when I've, uh, I basically I, when I typed in on YouTube "screaming monkey," and I immediately found it. I and I wasn't the only person who commented on like. Yeah, I, uh, Mitchell's versus the machine sent me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen that video either. And I was like, it did they did they overdub this or is this the original video? But no, it's actually yeah, the original video has that scream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Which I guess I mean uh, in in the original video, I guess somebody dubbed it already. I I don't I don't think that monkey actually makes that noise, but um, it's so it's, it's not something. <laughs> Yeah, things. but but it's it's not something they they made for the movie. It's actually a real video that exists. Right, right, absolutely. It's so stupid how they reference it in the beginning and then they just bring it back at the end for no reason. But it's <laughs> still funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. There were several parts where I laughed out loud uh, in terms of like be it just a, a line which was delivered in a funny way, just some weird background stuff, and also just some of the, the, the bigger jokes. Which just worked so well. Like one of my favorite reactions was when the little brother Aaron is sitting in that like a uh, dinosaur-themed um, gas station or whatever it was, and then he just the the camera pans up and then the dinosaur has that weird face, and then it it, it cuts it, it cuts it cuts back to him and he has this look on his face and makes just like this. <laughs> oh yeah, that that was great. I... A lot of great facial expressions in there too. Yeah, I, oh, I, I love the the, the the dinosaur face. All the all the <laughs> badly or 
inaccurate dinosaurs, I guess is what you'd call them. They're just fantastic. It's so, yeah, it's so funny. It, that's also something really relatable. And also, like, when you really are into something and then it, it, it bothers you when something just isn't right. And this one, I mean, this, <laughs> yeah. this is a very specific interest in terms of dinosaurs, but it also, like, that's like <laughs> that's how certain kids are. That's how certain adults are, even. And that yes. just makes it that just makes it feel so real. Absolutely. In terms of the, the character design, and that is also something I I really like about these types of movies. It is that you can tell in the design that it was something that was drawn beforehand in two D. Like it was something that was just yes. drawn. There was also something I noticed in. Uh, the Incredibles movies, like Brad Bird, he has a 2D animated background, and you can tell that in his character designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have that very that, uh, nice cartoony look to them. And uh, here too, because it's, it's, sometimes, it's sometimes weird when they try to make um, people look more realistic than they should be. And I mean, uh, in, um, in something like Soul... Uh, you you could tell that I mean it's 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 cut it's cartoony over exaggerated, but there they put so much emphasis on like crowd physics or clothing physics and also uh, how like uh, light reflects off skin. It looks so real, like right. so so incredibly um, photo real, but but it still has that uh, cartoony look about the, the characters, and that's that's something that it was kind of like a. A weird clash in a way, like where there's like this, the lighting conditions and all of that. It looks so realistic, and mm-hmm. then uh, it's just this, uh, you know, basically the 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 animated characters still. And here it's, it's something where it just all blends together in that much more simplified way, but it still has relatable physics, and and something you can you can uh, you know you can grasp, even though it's it's right. very over exaggerated in other ways in terms of like how how characters sometimes fly or move really fast. And yeah, sometimes, I mean, we don't even have to talk about the uh, Robert Zemeckis motion capture films where it's, uh, where they try to make (laughs) them look like real people as much as possible. And that just makes it look (laughs) all the more creepy. (laughs) Right, right. For sure. For sure. But that's something like, uh, it was a very weird uncanny valley feeling I got from soul because it was just, so in terms of like lighting and all of that, like they, they really outdid themselves in terms of those things. Like it looks so great, but um, it's still something, you know, it's it's still at, at its core, it's still a 3D cartoon. And that was just like something I I had to get used to. <laughs> <laughs> right. I see where you're coming from. I, I didn't really feel that way personally. I mean, I feel like some of the background character designs were a little bit weird and that, that got a little uncanny at times. But for, for me, it, it, it mostly worked, I'd, I'd say. I think I was able to believe it. But maybe that's because I'm kind of kind of used to that that look. With I, I do feel like Pixar has definitely been pushing rapidly into that photorealistic look for some time now. Ever since they kind of you know got their ray tracing software, I feel like you know, still with cartoony designs, but really going for that, like, photorealistic-looking lighting. Like, I think going back to, like, uh, Monsters University, where they really started kind of getting into that, and I thought that movie was really beautiful. I think that movie probably had a a little bit better of a balance in terms of, like, the designs versus the environment. Um, But yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
at least at least in the in the actual monster world when they go to the human world at the end uh when they are like in that uh i don't know what was it like uh girl scouts camp or something it was. oh yeah, I, yeah i'm not quite sure and there there the world actually has a different look where it looks much more photorealistic and and dark which which was right. a nice contrast um where they really it was actually apparent how they try to make both words feel uh, distinct from each other and different. Yes. And, um, yeah. And also, like, in other, in, in other things where, like, something like, like the environments in Wally feel very photorealistic and then in the, in the ship, of course, it's a little bit more exaggerated in sci-fi. Yes. And, um, yes. Yeah, most, most of the time they, they, struck a, uh, they, they strike a good balance between all of that. And and I mean of course I mean you you spent a, a good chunk of soul in the in the soul world basically right, but right. Um, and they find interesting designs for that but uh, I I was really um, surprised by how great because um, something I uh, something I complained about Pixar for a little while is how they the the usual worlds like like the the stuff that basically takes place in the real world looks looks kind of bland sometimes like sometimes something like inside out where basically the the real world kind of like has that uh, washed out look in a way and it doesn't it doesn't look all that um i don't know like like welcoming or interesting and then uh and also kind of like uh, flat in terms of maybe like camera work and lighting and then when i watched soul i was like jesus they stepped up their game like it's (laughs) it's it's so like it's so autumn heavy in terms of the lighting and how how the crowds move and like everything i was really surprised by by the depth and the creativity they put into the real world environments and uh, yeah and that was something i always thought uh, dreamworks was much better at because uh, when you look at the How to Train Your Dragon movies, they look like they were filmed by a real cameraman for the most part. How they put in those camera movements in action yes. dialogue scenes. It it looks so... I mean, they had someone like Roger Deakins as a consultant. So they, uh, in terms of like how, how the lighting uh, was supposed to work. And that's, that's of course, something they, uh, they got down. But yeah, it's... Um, that was always the distinction between Pixar and DreamWorks uh, for me, where uh, DreamWorks always seemed concerned with like let's let's ma- try to make this look a little more unique. And uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, both both of them do do a great job, just differently. Yeah, definitely, it's just different approaches to to style, and I think all it, both studios have had a lot of trial and all studios really just have a lot of trial and error where they go through these different phases and sometimes they find something that works and then they stick to it for a while and then sometimes the thing gets a little bland and then they switch it up it just seems to sort of be you know a pattern a natural kind of pattern with the studio where they're just sort of trying to find their voice and then sometimes they find their voice but that voice gets old i mean you know there was a while where we thought every movie pixar made would just be perfect and then and then you find out, oh, okay, they, they can make some films that aren't as good, just like other studios. And then they can bounce back and... Yeah, Cars. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think Cars was the first dot in, in terms of uh, where people were like, oh, no, <laughs> it's, they're not yeah, all perfect. Yeah, I mean, it still, it still had a lot of great stuff in it. But I, I agree that it's like, it's the first one. It's like, oh, okay, maybe not every single one is a complete masterpiece. And then... 
Yeah, so de- definitely there's there's, but you know it's okay because I, I I think it's it's per it's important to kind of face things like that because then it challenges the studio to think outside the box and switch things up, um, and I think you know with, with Pixar's new movie I think was it called Luca or the yeah Luca the I think yeah I you know now now you can see they're they're switching it up again and trying to do more stylized things and not and not just you know the photorealistic yeah that just looks so different um which i really like it almost looks like a a mixture of like a pixar and art man kind of like there's something in yes. the face that kind of reminds me of art man designs a little bit definitely the eyes and the mouth yeah absolutely yeah and if it's something like yeah i saw that post i saw that first teaser and I was like, this this looks really, really cute and fun. And, and I really hope that it's not one of those Pixar movies which surprises me with kind of like a, a twist halfway through, which I really am not okay with in terms of like, yeah. okay, now I know how it's going to go. Because I, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of checking out once that body switch happened and so where I was like, oh no, not not this stuff again. <laughs> yeah, I there is. There, it, it seems like there's always, they're always trying to, put in like that right some kind of a twist or some kind of a villain twist or the the whole you lied trope in movies which you know mitchell's versus the machines did as well it, it, it's it seems like a lot of movies sort of do that sort of thing um and i'm wondering i it's tricky right because a lot of tropes just work and that's why studios use them over and over again but i mean i'm hoping to find I'm hoping for studios to maybe see if they can discover new tropes. I don't even know if that's even possible. Maybe we've already told every story that needs that can be told and we just have to find different ways of telling them, but that's probably not true. There are probably new stories that we can tell and, and different kind of twists or maybe even no twists. Maybe there no, doesn't have to be a twist. That's a good point, yeah, in terms of what, what already has been done. And I mean, that's the thing, though. It's, it's like there when you see that done right it's amazing right like in mitchell's versus the machines where you see this this family dynamic um where you know the 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 mother and the i mean the the sort of father and the daughter are having struggles but they're they're still trying they're still they're trying to to get along with each other it's just that there there are things in the way there are obstacles and they show it as a natural process that, yeah, of course, as a as little kid, you get along with a certain parent. And then at, at a certain point, maybe you you grow apart because, you know, interests change and, uh, uh, you know, you, you yourself change. And then, you know, you, you still love each other, clearly, but um, it, it just happens that it might not be the same. It might be different or it might even be stronger later on. But there's always going to be that certain point where... You just have to figure stuff out, and uh, Mitchell's Versus Machines shows that really well. Right, absolutely. I, you know, it's like, like there's a moment, and I mean, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, um, but you know, where the 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 dad is trying to like play this song to sort of reach out to you know to the daughter, and and the daughter isn't like mean about it. She isn't like. You know, turn that off. I hate you. You know, it's more just like she's like, oh, I think I might be a little too old for that. So it's like, it's a it's a very like realistic reaction where she's she she she's trying to not be mean about it, but she still is just not connecting with him. And 
I don't know, that just makes the characters and moments feel a lot more real, where it's not black and white. It's very... Because life isn't black and white. Life is full of these gray moments where we're trying to connect with people and sometimes it just doesn't work out. And it doesn't always mean that one person is right and one person is wrong. It's just that we're, we're, we're trying desperately to meet in the middle and sometimes it just... We just can't because of things that are in the way, those things that are in the way are sometimes things that are inside of us, our own insecurities, our own uncertainties and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels realistic in, in every way. And that's, that's, that's the stuff that makes this so special. And I'm not like, and I'm not saying you're saying if this is for the most original, like, like greatest animated movie ever, but uh, it's, it's for what it is. And it's a lot it's it's a wonderful time like it's something that i i i would really like my family to watch too like i i, yes. I guess what my my little brother uh, he's 13 now he might have seen it by now maybe um but uh i haven't talked to him about it yet but i i'm sure this this is something because he's also a huge gravity falls fan when i tell him this is some of the same people involved in it um uh, i'm sure it it can but it's also like something when you just look at like the promotional picture it, it it's something you can tell you would be into or not and it just looks like a fun time yeah and uh, also like it, it's one of a it's actually a really good road trip movie too like it's a big part of a story and i and i miss and i miss movies uh which do that kind of story right and, and this one does it right yeah it's impressive because right you see there's so many movies like that there's so many movies where it's like the the, the, the dad is like, we're going on a road trip. And then the, the, the kids are like, oh, man, I hate this and blah, 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 blah. And they just do it so differently where the kids are like, yeah, let's try to have a good time. I'm, I'm not having a good time, but I'm really trying. I'm, or, or, oh, we're kind of having a little good of a time right now instead of, oh, we have to wait till the very end where it's like, okay, now we're having a good time. But it, it's just so much – it's executed in such a better a better way and – yeah, it's I really one of great. one of the greatest edits. It's really when she shoots her little travel documentary, and when they go to an, on that like donkey trip, and then and then cut, and it's like <laughs> stormy like get to that bridge if you want to survive. <laughs> right. She belongs oh, yeah. to the water now. It's, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's great, right? It, it's it's just, and I I think that's that's something that's like that's really good is that they really shove as many jokes in there as they can. You know, they try to really put in a lot of gags and, you know, not all of them work in my opinion. There are definitely jokes in there. I feel like that could have been tweaked or taken out. But I think when you, when you have that approach where you just try to throw in as many as you can, I, I think that can, that can often be a very successful approach because, and it's sort of similar to like Mel Brooks, where it's just like gag after gag after gag, because it's like one of those gags, or at least a few of those gags are bound to make someone laugh, right? So it's like, I think it's like a really, it can often be a really successful approach because it's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not, in this case, it's not overwhelming, also in terms of the uh, action scenes. Like, you're not like, oh my God, it's 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 so like... like uh... Uh, a big and, and and brash and in your face and all of it. It has it has the right balance and and if that's if there's something I could I could criticize a little bit. You can tell that this is the first like um, feature length film the directors have done. 
because because the pacing is uh, I'm not gonna say that the pacing is off, but it, it's it's offish in a way a little bit, um, where where it definitely has certain. Where, where was it? I was looking at it. How, how long exactly is this? And then I was like, I oh, it's, okay, it's it's almost two hours, right? Yeah, it's almost two hours, and it's and you could tell that there are certain certain parts where it just where, where it's kind of like uh, loses its momentum a little bit, like here, just just here and there. But it's mm-hmm. that's about to happen uh, with a project like this, I guess. Um, but it's it's not really like a, a big criticism. It's 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 something that's uh, that, that's natural in the process, and it's not like any part of us drags or is boring or uh, or something. But uh, right. you, you could tell it was boring. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. There are certain areas, um, and yeah, I I think I think my biggest like criticism of it is just that like some of the some of the gags. A few of the gags could have used like another pass, or even some of them could have just been taken out because there's so many good ones. So, so when you come, when you come across one that doesn't like work as well as the others, it's very, it stands out. At least to me, it just stands out a lot because so many of them work so well, and it's like, oh, why'd they leave this one in there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, which like, could you give an example of like a gag where you um, had that feeling? Yeah, like you, you were talking about that that monkey gag. At the beginning, yeah. to, to me, that one didn't work as well, or or at least I I feel like it could have been shortened. Like yeah, like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, because right, it's like the first second it's introduced, it's like okay, yeah, that's funny, but then they like hang on it and they're like and they keep <laughs> like sticking to it. And to me, like to some people, that works fine. You know, it, it's it's a definitely a subjective thing. But to me, it's like it, when a gag overstays its welcome. Um, I I think you just you just gotta sort of like move on to the next one um, yeah and it's also yeah. um it's also before you actually get to know the characters like exactly. before you actually realize what kind of family this is and what katie's background is and all of that and so they it, it kind of hits you out of nowhere and it kind of uh caught uh, catches you off guard maybe like even on the wrong foot where you're like oh no it, it's it's it, it's not gonna be like that type of animated movie um it's it's it, it could it, it could risk like some some eye rollers but uh and if if they if they waited if, if they waited with that um and it maybe even didn't it left like that basically flash forward thing out and and just started it as you know normal animated movie uh and, and then introduced the gag then like when it actually happens when it might have worked Better. See, that's exactly. I'm exactly with you on that. I feel like this movie could have benefited a lot from just taking out that first part and just starting right at the beginning, or even starting at the her her childhood part and kind of. Even though I know that's been done a lot too, but I just, I just feel like that part wasn't really needed. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's been done it's so a- much. Where it's like we're in the middle of the action. It's like. I bet you're wondering how I got here. This this is me. (laughs) Exactly. It's just done, been done so much. And there are movies where it kind of worked, but I think by now it's just, we've seen it so much that we really don't need it anymore. Even like beginning narration. I feel like, I mean, it's sort of, it, it did work with certain aspects, but I feel like, I don't know, these characters in this movie were so strong that I feel like we didn't really need to be told a lot of things. We could have just been been shown those things because it just, yeah. so many things work so well that I just think it's, it could have used another pass uh, and just get rid of that first part. 
You're funny, another movie was released by Netflix just like a week before that and did the opening narration really well was um, Love at Monsters. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Wait, that sounds really familiar, but I don't know if I've seen it. Is it animated? No, no, it's it's a live action uh, film. Okay, Love and Monsters. No, yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you really should. It's 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 a charming, fun little movie. It's it's really really good, and it also trended on Twitter when it came out because a lot of people were charmed by it. But that has a great opening narration, where mm. it, where it tells you exactly what kind of movie it is and hits you with the right kind of humor, which is uh, apparent all throughout the film. And it tells like some of the emotional stuff tells in flashbacks and very well placed flashbacks, and that one does it. Yeah, it does that kind of stuff a lot better. Mm. Yeah, I guess you know. There's definitely there's a right there's a right way to do it, and I mean there there are parts in the opening narration with this that worked well. You know, it was cool when she was talking about growing up and going and wanting to go to film school. Like I really like that stuff. I think it's <laughs> just yeah. I think it just could have been that stuff could have been cut a little shorter. Just get rid of the moment at the beginning where they're driving in the car. Um, fighting yeah, the it was it was it it was kind of an awkward start, but it also like it, it's also exactly how the trailer starts and it's. Um, Right, for sure. I think because it's like also like I really liked the the opening credits with the logo and the music and the animation and everything. Yeah, like that. That was like starting off with this really awesome vibe, which and the the way that was starting off made me think it was gonna go right to the like this is me. I I want I'm I'm this weird kid. I go to I want to go to film school. I thought just the way and then but then it like switched it up and I understand it's like. You want to, especially because it's like a kid's movie, you want to get the kid's attention, you want to bring them in right away. And also with like the establishing those those gags right away, they, they're trying to like establish like, oh, this is this kind of movie. This is the kind. So I, I totally understand all the decisions behind it. I just don't necessarily agree with it, but I yeah, understand absolutely. why they put those things in there the way that they did. It's still, you know, it's it's still something you can you can say yeah, like yeah, this this movie maybe has like a couple of little flaws, but you can still really enjoy it and appreciate it as oh, what it is. I mean, the absolutely. fact that we have we have uh, talked so much about it, and only now we we get to some of the things we we might you know criticize just a little <laughs> oh, exactly. bit. Exactly, like overall, just amazing film. I mean, it it made me cry. It, I mean, I laughed. I, I it it's just right when it comes to these things. Right, it's about. It's about the overall experience. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a very picky person when it comes to movie openings. You know what I mean? Like, right away, I'm, I'm super judgmental. And it makes sense, too, because it's like you haven't been, you're not in the world yet. This is your door to the world. So it's like sometimes, for me, it takes a little bit of time for me to be like, oh, okay, I get this world. This, this is great. And then once I'm in it, I'm in it. And, you know, that sort of was the case with this, where it's like it took me a little bit to get into it, but then bam i'm in it I'm, I'm with these characters i'm loving it and um exactly overall just like really really great film yeah the, the opening 10 minutes of any film are so important yes, uh, so like like one of uh, one of my favorite openings is actually from the first how to train your dragon like that's just a fantastic opening like yes. I don't know, six oh, six yes. seven minute sequence uh, so wonderful which which tells you like everything and it, it it hits you with great visuals great music and a great narration too which has the right amount of humor and also suspense it's it's right. it's one of the best best openings oh i agree and and with something like that what's really cool is 
because a lot of a lot of these movies they try to they, they, they do that flashback thing or where they start in the middle and then they go back because it's it's like that rule about starting in the middle of the action right not starting on a, on a boring dull moment but the, the beautiful thing with how to train your dragon is that it starts in the middle of the action but it's still we're still starting at the beginning of the movie right yeah, they didn't the have to do like story. a flashback it's like no we're at the beginning but it just happens to be we're in the middle of this action-packed moment so it's like killing two birds with one stone and yeah it tells you so much about the world um but that's something actually yeah because you mentioned that a lot of tv shows nowadays do it whenever i see i start a tv show and they start with something that's actually like from the last episode or something like there was kind of like flash forward sequence i'm instantly like i'm out right right because right you want to be you want to be in the current moment you want to be like this is happening right now I, at least that's how i see it you know i i especially because you know when it's so predictable when 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 you see something that's in the middle of the action and you know it's not the beginning of the movie, the only thing that's in the back of my mind is like, okay, when are we going to get to the point where they're like, I bet you're wondering how I got here when then we're going to switch back because, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking questions of like what's going on. I'm asking questions of when are we going to go back to the beginning so that we can get back to this moment. You know what just came to me? This is actually like, like Virtual Worlds and Machines, the same exact thing. Uh, happens in the first Gravity Falls episode. That's the exact same way it starts. You're right. You're right. It does. And I think, <laughs> I do think that that one worked a little better for me at the time. Maybe because I wasn't as old and jaded back then and I yeah. didn't see as many films. But I think also it's just that one was pretty short. And it, I think sometimes with TV shows, it can work a little bit different compared to like a movie because you know that you're gonna be introduced to a lot more i don't know i i might not be explaining this accurately because maybe i don't completely understand why i feel like it works a little better um but you're right that <laughs> gravity falls does that exact thing that just come full circle which is really really <laughs> funny uh, but yeah, I mean, it like uh, this trope can work well. Any trope can work well. I mean, it's a right. Reason that it's all about people execution. use it. Yeah, yeah but it, it's like, um, and it's not like the, the opening of um, uh, Mitchell's Wilson Machines is bad. It, it's just it's not right. As, it's not bad. Uh, it's just I feel like it could have worked better. But you know, for a lot of people, it worked really well. So it's just like it's just an opinion of mine. You know, I I happen to have a lot of opinions that are very different from everyone else. There, there are certain movies I like that, that people do not like at all. There's also a problem when you, when you start a movie with a sort of like big stuff where it's basically like, this is the top right now. And, you know, it's the stuff they show like in, in, uh, in Doctor Strange or maybe like even uh, in what they do in Mitchell's vs. the Machines where they show like this big action scene. When, when you're starting from some kind of top point, um there's no other way but down again you know it's, exactly it's just... right you got to work your way up but the, the 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 trick is making those small moments still feel big right so even when it's just like a small battle you still got to feel like the the stakes are pretty raised but not too much because right you compared to the final battle you want that to be the highest stakes so it's all this sort of balancing act where it's like keeping it entertaining but still like rising levels of intensity it's tough to figure that out and i mean a lot of people are working on those things to to make sure that it uh, all works out 
and you don't want to alienate your audience uh, too quickly you want to ease them in just like the the way what you feel walking away from a film um which is why like you know the, the beginning openings are super important but i'd say like endings can be even more important because like, like, that's how you're like walking away from it that's the feeling that's going to give you the feeling that you have when you're done with the movie and you know so that that can be super important oh yeah I, I've, I've seen movies where i didn't really like the opening and i was like i don't know if i can get into this and then it just turned around later on and i ended up loving them i i, I can't really give like very very quick examples but right, right. uh i'm not quite i i uh, like i mean i i wasn't i wasn't i, I might have been not like the biggest fan of the opening of infinity war actually but in same hindsight here. actually same here i i kind of <laughs> when, when infinity war opened i actually thought it was really really cheesy that the stuff thanos was saying i'm like what what is this 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 doesn't i don't know I, but then of course it just turned around very quickly and yeah and also like, oh, wow. having us uh, having us in the dark about like the fate of certain characters where you're like wait where's where, where are these people now like are they all dead what what it's it's uh, yes. kind of like how they how they pr- pretty much pretty much the opening of infinity war kind of makes for ragnarok pointless <laughs> right oh absolutely yeah which is kind of tragic too if you think about it it's just like oh my god they did all of that just to be killed and yeah at least yeah. half of them yeah but yeah, definitely something where it's like it, it picked up. Very but I quickly. thought at least, uh, it, at least I mean, it, it was kind of like tainted, like like the opening was kind of tainted for me by that thought, where I was like, wait, are all of these people dead? And then just you find out about them just way way later on. But right. um, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good a real introduction to to Thanos and his children. Actually, I thought it worked as that way. Like, okay, I get I, I get this. Uh, yeah, looking looking was, back at it, I I. I like I watched it again recently. I'm like, okay, this works a lot better for me now. Just my first viewing of it, though, I was just like, what? What is this? What's happening? I'm not. I'm not with the characters yet. I'm not at the I'm, world yet. Actually, I am a hundred percent sure. At some point, they planned to have that Gamora child flashback as the opening. Oh, you think so? Yeah, actually, I, I, I I'm pretty convinced that they must have thought about putting that at the beginning. That could have been actually pretty cool. That, that where, where she's like a kid and he comes and invades her. Yeah, planet. yeah, where, where you're yeah, kind of like that... it would it would be it, it would have been like a neat opening for for people who are kind of like where where are we exactly? When piecing it together, oh, this is Gamora, all of that. Okay, this. Yeah, you know that that would have been awesome because then it's like even further solidifying the relationship between Thanos and Gamora and it, like her importance to him. And I think then it would have made you know the 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 sacrifice scene even more heartbreaking just yeah i don't know that that, that would have been because i found it really cool that they made basically thanos was the the main character of infinity war in my opinion yeah which it's, i think it's is just a really really interesting cool way of going about it and you know it's funny though too because then in uh, endgame thanos felt just more like almost like a side element like it he felt like nothing compared to how he was treated in, in Infinity War, which I guess is understandable because they're they're trying to make it about the other characters in the second movie. But I don't know, just yeah, something really cool how how they went about that in 
Infinity War. It's interesting how they did it and how it doesn't, yeah, how it doesn't feel like a clusterfuck and how they uh, bring in uh, big drama and also big jokes and uh, the, how they reintroduced the Guardians was was just perfect. Like with yes, yes. Rubberman Man song, I was so happy. Like I, I I cheered when we first showed up and my mother actually. She she watched it kind of like I I, I watched it on, on on DVD later on and she was kind of like in the same room but was working on something, and then she um and she didn't I, I guess it wasn't on her mind that uh, the Guardians were part of his universe too, because she oh. she knows the Guardians movies but she wasn't really aware of that and then when they got introduced uh, with that song and she was like oh they're in this too nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everybody's here. Everyone's invited. <laughs> yeah i was saying it was just so great for me where i was like now they finally arrived in the main story um even though i really like how they couldn't how you can actually watch the guardians movies just as their own story without actually knowing the other stuff because they work so well apart from that right exactly yeah it works by itself it works joined together definitely a lot yeah. of good thinking on that part <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 it definitely has some uh, some some wings that nods uh, to, to other stuff like like mm-hmm. uh, in the first Guardians with uh, when actually Thanos shows up but it's not like uh, but it's only like his second appearance and you could basically tell okay he's just some big evil overlord whatever you don't have to know that um, you know these these aliens attack New York or whatever it's 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 fine that, that's actually great uh, that's why I love the Guardians so much because they work well in isolation too right yeah definitely. So, um, I think we rambled about uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines and uh, other stuff um, for, for, for a long time, but also for a very fruitful time, um, yes, because we figured a lot of stuff out, and <laughs> that was exactly <laughs> uh, what I planned. Um, let, me, uh, let me tell you, um, we have come to an end uh, of this discussion for now, but... I was incredibly happy to have you here. It was uh, amazing to have you as a guest uh, because I oh, love your, I, I absolutely <laughs> love your stuff. It's it's, <laughs> it's absolutely great what you share. And um, I hope uh, a lot of more people uh, get introduced to your stuff, um, which, yeah, which is basically, you're going to tell us right now where people can find all of that stuff. <laughs> Yes, well, well. first of all, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Um, and yeah, um, so I, I'm i on Twitter. You can find me searching Kevin Temer on Twitter. Um, I have a YouTube channel, um, which is uh, Kevin Temer Tunes. Um, it's the, the music kind of tunes, T-U-N-E-S, not the uh, other kind of tunes. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's where I, I post all my stuff. Um, I have a TikTok as well. <laughs> if anyone's interested in that sort of thing, just search Kevin Temer on TikTok. Um, but yeah, those those are the main three, the main, the holy trinity. Thank you so much for being a guest on here. I had I had a blast talking to you. Oh, absolutely! Um, it was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for thinking the same way. That's nice, and I hope I can uh, welcome you back on on another show. Yeah, whenever I, you I have would the be time. down to come on here and talk about anything I, i'd so be down to come on here again that's great so the next the next episode might be a little bit more rambly than this one because this <laughs> one was mostly focused which i was really glad about because like i said the original plan was basically we were gonna talk about anything whatever came to our mind and we still managed to fit that in there here and uh, I, um, I i guess i have to cut some of this down but not by <laughs> that 
not by that much, I guess. Uh, dear people, this podcast you are listening to right now, you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud fans about films with me as the host. Um, I recently did, I think it was yeah, last year, I did an interview with the Netflix Witcher composers about their amazing score. And you can also find other composer interviews on here as well as chats with other people, other cool people I met on Twitter all of the best people I find on Twitter, um, including the composers, for the most part. Uh, I'm also co-host of It's a 90s Christmas podcast, together with Lyle Perez. Right now, we are on a break, a very, very long-lasting break, but uh, we will be back soon, I hope. I am part of the German podcast collective Telestammtisch, where we talk about movies way before they come out. The last thing I watched for them was The Iron Mask, which is a weird sequel to a Russian... A horror film and uh, this one has also Kung Fu and Jackie Chan and Arnold Schwarzenegger in it and it sucks <laughs> Iron Mask is such a piece of shit you have no idea <laughs> but um, yeah you can you can um, you can find that if you can speak German dear people of course I am on Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt um, I have a YouTube channel called The Depart where I also have English stuff and I write German sound reviews for scoregeek.wordpress.com and I have also been a guest on the Film Brain podcast for two episodes um, the last time which was like a couple of weeks ago we talked about Zack Snyder's Justice League check that episode out check all of those guys out they are great guys I love their content and I guess that's pretty much it for all the stuff you can find uh, from me thank you so much for being a guest on here i had a lot of fun and i hope i can welcome you back soon yeah thank you so much <laughs> and with that we both say watch rituals versus the machines and have a wonderful day and good night and goodbye bye everyone <laughs> well i was just a lonely symbiote looking to quit the sad nomadic lifestyle i had always known i know how you feel pal Cause I was just a rusty journalist Who always wished somebody finally might come guide me home And I'm so glad I found you cause we are Venom Venom is you and me And we'll take the world by storm Until that storm becomes a sea We've got a greater bond than most Cause he's my parasite And he's my host And soon enough the entire world will succumb Cause we are Venom. Venom And we really love to know Yes, we are Venom. Venom You better never pronounce it symbiote We finally have a second chance Since Spider-Man 3 and his emo dance So look out everybody Cause here we come We are Venom